Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to episode 44 of On the Table Gaming. I'm Chase. I'm Josh. And uh, today we're going to be talking with the Gen Con 2019 champion, Brent Lamfer. But before we do that, you know, Josh, I'm kind of ashamed here. Uh, I, I haven't really been feeding the birds. So uh, we what do you need to mean? go check. We got to go check the rookery. There might be something up there. There may have been stuff that went up there and already died and uh, isn't news anymore. But like there might be some things in there. So let's let's go check that out. Here we go. We're going. Okay. Up. Yep. There's up. the, the oh, old age again. <laughs> okay. Open the door. And oh my. I think we're, getting, we're getting better at improving that. Uh, <laughs> we are, right? <laughs> I need like all like full. I'm like breaking celery over here to make the stair sounds. You're doing, you're and, doing, uh, I think you're, you're doing Foley in your house now. There, yes. Uh, Axel right? Foley. Yeah. No, that's getting cut. All right. So, <laughs> so, so, oh my gosh. It's. It's the builder, the builder crossbowman. All right, amazing. Oh, we got man. some, we got some news from our. Uh, now it's like there's a you know anti spoiler scene on the Facebook page, uh, and we'll talk about that maybe in a future episode. But uh, this is from somebody posting on Instagram that sort of like slowly bled into other sources. I think it's someone in Canada that maybe got a box early or something. But the builder yeah. crossbowman, they've got movement of five. They've got crossbows, like the name suggests, that hit on a three plus at seven. Seven three, so it doesn't decay after that first rank. They've got long swords that hit in a four plus six five three, six plus armor, seven plus morale. But it's their order that's really interesting. The order ready, aim, fire. When this unit is targeted for a charge, this unit may make one ranged attack action against that enemy before they resolve their charge action. Their crossbows are long range and have sundering. This is uh, is rumored to be at seven points. Um, I don't know, Josh. What are you thinking about this unit? I mean, to me, they're really good. I mean, so if the, obviously the direct comparison is to Lannister Crossbowmen, right? So right. Lannister Crossbowmen, they come in at six points. So these guys are a point more. So what are you getting uh, for that? So same speed, relatively the same attack profile because the Crossbowmen are, are also 773 for Lannisters. Uh, close combat, though... The, the night's watch is better they're they're six five three where the crossmen are five four three so they've got like one extra attack dice at all but the last rank uh, and the and lannisters have five plus armor versus this unit six plus but i'll tell you what <laughs> when i roll the dice five plus armor is like having six plus armor right and they, they have slightly better morale on the on the night's watch side so i think you know all things being equal i think you don't you still don't want these guys in close combat obviously um but, you know, I think between the morale and, like, I mean, a negligible difference in armor save, yeah, you're probably going to lose a couple more guys, but you really don't want to be there. Uh, oh, but man, I all think I'm thinking is a game changer. Yeah, all I'm thinking is, like, I would love as a free folk player to catch your crosswoman out of position and charge and take them out. You know, there's all sorts of crazy, like, slingshot things people are talking about. How on turn one, you can do this, com- or round one, you can do this combination to move a guy 21 inches into combat. Like, if I could get and snipe this unit somehow, that'd be amazing. But getting shot before I can charge in and res- before I can resolve that charge, you know, you might just, you know, a unit raider is like, they're probably gone. I mean, yeah, or at least very badly damaged. You know, three plus yeah, seven three dice. Plus. Yeah, that's, that's a lot a, of hits. And, and think about it, too, is like you can, you know, if, if you're within range of them, you know, you can potentially get like three shots in a turn. You could claim the combat zone you know, activate these guys and take an a- take a shot. And then if you get charged, I'm assuming from the front, you can, again, make a make another shot. So, I mean, like, 
That would be ridiculous. Yeah. Are you still yeah, there? I'm, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm still, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's so good. Yeah, and I think it's something that the 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 Night's Watch definitely needed a little bit more help in the uh like the, the actual long range. Well, I guess they did they really because they had the, the Scorpion. But I think well, I mean, now you're gonna start to see some need. some gun line lists, and yeah. uh, you know you could already people were talking about with Awful Yarwick, uh, you could do the double Scorpion, and when that Stone Thrower comes out, you know you could have a siege army with like conscripts filling in. Love it. Well, you know, maybe you could try and squeeze something like this and maybe don't go all, you know, you could get like, you know what, a 24 arm, a 24 miniature army with the siege list, but like maybe you drop a siege weapon, you do two and this, and you just have some, some crazy gun lines. Like, I don't know, but it's going to be really interesting to try and play against. Yeah, like, what do you do if they're all spread out and you have to charge in the front to like one of them, it's going to get a free shot off. And then like everyone could just turn in and <laughs> shoot the crap out of you. I mean, it's going to be interesting. And the funny thing is, though, I feel like for the Night's Watch, it's going to be difficult to choose this unit because they have other compelling options to choose, right? They're, you know, Sworn Brothers are, are workhorses. Um, yeah. This is definitely really good, but, you know, other sometimes you're just like, you know what, I'm going to hope for the Watcher on the Wall card and I'm just going to throw a unit of Sworn Brothers instead of trying to shoot you with arrows. Yeah. I mean, but like, think about it. You could fit a ton of these guys into a list. So, I mean, yeah, it's, that's true. It's awesome. I, I, I'm, very excited to see how these guys turn out but i mean that's that one order is such a huge upgrade from the cross like and i think the lancer crossmen are awesome i mean i think they're a really strong unit that, that's what scares me is i'm like i know how much work can get done with them <laughs> now yeah. i'm like oh boy <laughs> i mean to me it's like i i like these so much better than stark bowman because stark bowman much as i love starks i think sundering is massive and i think three plus because you're not re-rolling oh god yeah attacks, you know what i mean so you kind of just get what you get. And so how right, you could, pair... you could roll three, seven, three pluses and like get a full attack off. I don't think you've ever rolled 10, four pluses against me. I usually hit like twice on my 10. That is true. That is true. That, yeah. But yeah, if you just uh, roll, you're like I can't re-roll. So crap, this, this is just what I got. And I mean, when you have a three plus, it's you're less likely to miss, which is, I think, um, not to be ignored. So yeah, the th losing three dice, but having that higher probability seems like it's at least on par. But then with the Sundering, you push through a lot more damage. You, you yeah. give a lot more options for targets. Yeah, do work. Yeah. And that's and then, you know, we have another unit we can talk about here as well. The Poor Fellows for the Lannisters. They've got movement speed of five. They've got a bludgeon. Hits on a five plus at seven, five, three. Armor, six plus. Morale of three plus. And they've got the Fanatical Zeal ability. Each time this unit passes a morale test, it gains one faith token. When this unit attacks, after attack dice are rolled, it may expend one faith token to deal the defender D3 plus one additional wounds. After this attack has been completed, this unit also suffers that many wounds. And then there's the reinforcements keyword. Each time this unit activates, it may restore up to D3 wounds. If you control the wealth zone, restore three wounds instead. This unit is at five points. It's so interesting. I mean, I think, well, so five plus to hit your, I mean, that's, is that the worst attack profile we've seen in the game? Technically? Uh, excuse me. I think the, the, the trappers here are also hitting on five. Also plus. Five wow. How dare you, sir? How <laughs> okay, dare you? All right. You're, you're right. Okay. 
Uh, Did you just yeah. think you were just that, you know, your armor was that good when you've been playing? You're just like, man, I don't seem to be taking a lot of hits from these trappers. It's never get hit by those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you're obviously. You're just like, complaining about the Stark Bowman. When I when I shoot with my wildling bow from short range with six okay. dice on four plus, and I'm hitting you with like one arrow or nothing. <laughs> man, I'm not better. I think you rolled, I'm, like, I'm not better. <laughs> a realistic number of sixes in the last game. That oh, that's played. true. That's true. That was just from around. Like, you have you have so many armor saves where all you can save is on a oh, six. You roll like five. True. Like, what the hell? That felt really good. I still think I lost that game, but it, it felt good in the in the stages before. But anyhow, the uh, the it, poor you fellows. Won, you won the you won the armor save roll. That's off, true. Is there a trophy for that? There should be. I think yeah. Um, I think there is. These poor fellows. This yeah. unit, and I feel like any new unit that comes out, the community can really it really only has two responses: absolute trash. Yep. Incredibly overpowered. Yeah. I think this unit is both. I think uh, <laughs> I think this unit played poorly can be one of the worst units imaginable. Well, uh, but if you it play has, it right, I think you have a lot of surprise damage you can put out with this. Well, so D three plus one wounds that you take yourself, but when they activate, you can recover D three. Yeah, that's really big. Obviously, you know you are probably not getting a ton of damage through, even at like full ranks at a five plus. You might be hitting like one or two times. You're never failing morale. You're probably also never saving too many armor saves. Now, yeah, these what, guys have pretty what? good, like you know, possibility of getting wiped off the face of the earth like really quickly. But if you're attacking the right sort of target with these guys, I mean, D three plus one wounds wounds is is a big deal. I mean, you take like yeah. your flayed men, your knights, your mountain. You know, those classic targets of like either you know single models or really high armor models. And you just punch through a bunch of damage with these little junky guys. It's like, man, that's that can be like, pretty good. What do you do for? Would you put attachment in here? Nope. Like <laughs> it's because it's like such a. I mean, this unit could. You could roll th- d three plus one. You could do you know four wounds to somebody, take four wounds, and then get hit, and you know, take the re- you know nine points of damage or something. I don't know. It, it seems like they could they could get wiped out, or they could. Do a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, and like, do you I, I, risk putting anything in there? I don't know if there's like you wouldn't put a one point. What? Who is it that gives like the minus one to hit them? All these, all these. Uh, I can't keep track of them anymore. Kingsguard. I mean, they all they all look the same to me. I'm trying to remember. They like it's you know, uh, Eris Okart, Ares Okart. So protection of the crown while you control the crown. Enemies suffer negative from the hit while attacking this unit with melee. You got to control the tr- crown zone as well. Yeah, that's that's totally not worth it. You're not going to set up like a three, <laughs> a three unit combo to protect these poor fellows. I'm glad you spent like and, ten minutes like looking. Hey, that this, like, that'll be yeah. all cut out. Nobody. Uh... <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I don't think I don't think these guys are really the kind of unit. I mean, like even champion of the faith. I mean, why bother? I, I think these guys you got to run them as cheap as possible because they're so easy to kill. I mean. They are only taking damage, though. I mean, they're not taking morale hits. So they're not losing guys to morale. So it's it's kind of just like whatever damage comes through, it's probably going to go through. Right. right? Um, yeah. So I'm I, interested to see, though. I know uh, we had Justin do a tactics talk. He had, like, the Army of the Faith. And he's been doing a lot of the guys you don't like whose name are... Warrior Sons? The, he's doing a lot of Warrior Sons practice. And I'm wondering, can he go like all thematic and make something really work with an army like this? I don't know. I'd be, I'd be I mean, like the one thing is like if they were like something like four points, maybe, and they, you know, you could really fill up the board with a whole bunch of them. I mean, because like imagine, okay, like let's four say four points is insane, though, right? That's it could be. 
It could be. I mean, I'm. I don't know. Like that damage is reflecting. This is the first home, unit because right? it's clearly not meant to fight like raiders. Oh, but I always do. This is this is like my twisted logic where I'm always like, is this unit really worth this many points in raiders? Like, I think raiders, would two units of raiders be better than this. I'm like, oh my god, they would. <laughs> they would destroy these guys. Yeah. Well, th- uh, think about it. the damage they're dealing. They're taking back, right? Right. So even if you're dealing four wounds, it's awesome. But then you're losing a rank also. Right. Now, obviously, when you activate, you can, you know, restore wounds. But, like, I mean, these guys are going to get, like, spiked pretty hard, pretty fast. So it's like you can't really claim zones with them. I mean, you could, but they're probably going to die to anything that shows up. So what do you do with them? It's like you're threatening, like, their big thing. But what if they don't right. have a big thing? Like, what and if I'm I, running a bunch of elite infantry? Right. I, I don't I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be that afraid of fighting them with my free folk. I'll say that. Uh, you know, flayed men? I don't know. So bad in that matchup. Right. It was but do you, do you, is this like, you know, you're running this with the high sparrow and you've got, what's his tactics card? Uh, protection of the father. Uh, let's see what we got here. When a friendly unit is attacked after attack dice are rolled, this unit may make a morale test. On a success, they only suffer one wound for every two unblocked hits. Otherwise, they automatically block one hit. That yeah. makes it a lot more tankier. But do you want to be saving that card for your King's Guard or your, not your, but like, you know, some elite unit? Like your warrior sons. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would think you would. I mean, I think these guys, like, let's say, you know, like the when we had the the champion who won with the free folk, uh, right? He had the, like that four giant list. These guys would jack that list up because those <laughs> giants, yeah, smoked. You know, so it's like situational. Yeah, these guys are extremely strong. I think if you're fight, like kind of facing a lot of all comers lists, these guys probably won't do as much as you need them to, but. The thing is, it's really great. It's just like if you kind of ignore them and they like fly under the radar a little bit, you know, you do a little right. damage and you like forget about it. If they start like forget about it again, they're just going to get back up to full strength. And that's right. Yeah, that's awesome. true. Like you got to really commit to finishing them off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those old rebel regen lists from the X-Wing days. It's like you leave that like like that one X-Wing with R2-D2 alone. It's going to fly around until it has health again. And yeah. Get back well, these the guys just hit, they hit way harder than they should. And not that they should, but like, damn, they're gonna jack some people up, like you're saying. They're like poor so. fellows. Well, they got pitchforks. They're like, oh damn, <laughs> oh damn. Bludgeon. They took out some flayed men. They have a stick. Time to run. Some metal on they it. They do have a stick. Yeah, bludgeon. You're right. Yeah, I would make mine pitchforks. I'm gonna see if I can do that. Okay. Oh, little farmer dudes. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess with that being said, that's kind of the news, and uh, you know, we've kind of kept our guest waiting long enough. So let, let's get to the fun stuff here. Uh, Brett, you know, welcome to the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me. So uh, hopefully, it has been a little bit of time since Gen Con. Hopefully, you've been able to uh, recuperate since you... Uh, that, that was probably a lot of A Song of Ice and Fire you played over those past, you know, what, four days, three days? Oh, yeah. And then, and then counting, um, just practicing that list. So the <laughs> list that I ended up running, I changed at the very last minute. So. I had to uh, I had to scramble and I, I played it one time against my buddy uh, the day before the event. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to roll it. And so <laughs> and, it was, uh, fortune favors the bold, I guess. Yeah, there. clearly that clearly that decision <laughs> panned out. Well, then before we get into the Gen Con stuff in particular, then. So maybe uh, tell us a little about like what's your gaming background? Like a lot of times people, the way they approach or play a song of ice and fire is really influenced by you know, earlier games and other systems that they've been involved with. So, you know, how did you, how did you get into gaming? How'd you get into, uh, you know, what games did you play before and how did you get into a song of ice and fire? So in indie, we had a really strong, um, 
Warhammer fantasy battle community. And I got into that community around 2013. And up until they kind of uh, nuked the fantasy line, we played that. So I guess that was three years. But I played fantasy with just my friends from school. Um, I played that since I was about 13, but it was never competitive. Um, I got into kind of competitive play and tournament play around 2013 with Warhammer. And Indy's just got a really strong gaming community anyway. So uh, we were looking for something to replace Warhammer. And they never really landed on anything that stuck until until Song of Ice and Fire came out. And then they persuaded me to try it. And I was uh, just pretty much hooked after my first game. So, man. So, so then you just jump right in. What faction did you first start off with? And did you stick with that faction? My very first demo game, uh, my friend set me up with Lannisters, actually. And uh, I had some Knights of the Castle Rock <laughs> and some Guard with a Captain. And strangely, some Bastards Girls. And then I had Circe and the High Sparrow. And uh, he brought Starks. He beat me. Um, but I, I really liked the, uh, the Knights. Um, I didn't actually manage to get a charge, but I, I liked how well they just held down a flank on the defensive side. And then, obviously, I liked the Guardsmen, just the uh, basic unit having a 3-plus armor save. Um, until he got his Great Axes into them, they were... They were holding up pretty well. Um, I think Bastards Girls are a unit. They're a little bit tricky to to really work them, and I had no idea what I was doing. So I obviously didn't see that you could charge for free with the tactics board, and oh, right. I didn't I didn't know how to position them to shoot and then charge. So they pretty much just kind of died. So <laughs> I wasn't overly impressed with them at first, but I, the guardsmen and the knights stood out to me. And then, yeah, I just stuck with Lannisters after that. I bought a Stark versus Lannister set that day and then a box of knights. And then I just started playing with that. And I, oh, I stuck and, with then, and then you unleashed your terror upon the world. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now everyone trembles in fear at your name. So, um, so before we get into uh, the actual tournament at Gen Con, uh, what was your experience like for Gen Con like, as a whole, maybe like big picture? Like, is this something that you go to, you've been to before for other games or, uh, you know? It was my very first Gen Con. Um, I generally, I don't generally do well with like super big crowds. I, I get mm-hmm. a little anxious, but uh, I'm going to be honest. It's, uh, it was a little bit different with a lot of gamers there. And uh, just the focus being on, on kind of the, the nerdy side, I, I dare say. But uh, everyone was really <laughs> friendly. All the vendors were exceptionally friendly. And, uh, no, it was definitely it was it was pleasurable. So, so if, my, if someone hasn't attended Gen Con, you'd would say maybe that would be one you would recommend. I think I strongly recommend that they do it. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's the biggest one, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, so not yeah. You'd figure you just you'd start off by you know taking the the biggest tournament and just and doing that. Yeah. <laughs> just jump right work your into way it. down. Like, <laughs> yeah. Going up at some small store with like two people, and be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, right? This, this is the bottom tournament. I'm here. <laughs> yeah i i dove right into i guess the biggest one and uh so yeah i'm really glad that i did Were you there primarily for the tournament or did you go there for like other board games oh it was uh mostly for the tournament and then uh i spent a lot of time actually helping do the song of ice and fire demos and uh oh. so that that was really fun uh so, so someone out there was taught to play 
by the 2019 champion. I, a few people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they go back and there's like there's a like mop on the floor with everybody who's like you know their first time playing. Like how the heck who taught you to play this game? Yeah, I, I it was uh I think I did five or six demos. Whew. So it was fun. Uh, Baratheons versus Nightwatch was the table that I was on. So oh man, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. Did you fun. let them play Baratheons, or you're like, I'll show you, but I get to play Baratheons. So I stood on the Night's Watch side. Oh. So I, uh, I I went ahead and played against the Baratheons. So it was it was actually my first time playing Night's Watch. So it was very, it was really nice when I had a Watcher on the Wall in my hand, uh-huh. and I, from my own experience having it used on me, I was like, this is going to be really cool when they attack these Sworn Brothers. Because we're gonna get in here and we're gonna one shot this unit of sentinels. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna march up ten. We're gonna be in their flank and we're gonna charge them. They're just gonna pop. It's gonna be awesome. And that's what exactly you think what of, happened. Uh, the <laughs> they are uh, they're tough. Um, they're really defensive. They didn't have the attachment in them. The uh, I the think warden? it's the the master warden, the one that ignores um, charge bonus, flank bonus, and rear bonus. And that is just, that is a nasty order. It is so good. Yeah, um, right. I, okay, because we actually were just talking about this on the last episode of some people, and uh, I'm like, this just seems incredibly amazing. And uh, some people were like, oh, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know, am I just missing something? It seems like, you know, earth-shatteringly good. It is. So to me, the way, the way I would view it, um, from a different perspective besides what the card is printed it's almost like having a weakened token on you and uh charging everything in the front so whenever right. you charge them you don't get your charge re-rolls so it's almost like being weakened on the charge mm-hmm. and then you don't ever get the minus one for the flank and the minus two for the rear so sometimes you catch yourself like you, you think you've got something because you can flank them or rear charge them right. and maybe Maybe just because they're new, but you forget about that order for a split yeah. second, and it's all bad. It's all bad. And you could also have that order, and they could have a weakened token, right? Yes. So, yes. I mean, it's like, it, all right, yeah. like, yeah. what are you going to do? What, what I have found with them is that they want you to get stuck fighting okay. them, and then they just kind of surround you. And again, yeah, you think you have something, like even Knights of the Rock or the Tully Cavaliers, they're almost equal on the charge but you you don't have what you think you have when you charge in there even even the four up guys are very survivable and the stag knights are just gross if they've got the master warden in them i i almost would just almost avoid that unit but you have to engage something and <laughs> right right the wardens are obviously they're like little mini lannister guard and then the uh sentinels are almost sworn brother ish so they're not it's not what you want <laughs> you you kind of have to pick your poison i think honestly the best um way of dealing with them is using the uh maneuver to retreat after you hit them or if you're awesome enough to play rob stark you you can repeatedly <laughs> hit and run that unit or do yeah. the tactical regroup after they've spent their order and then so then you'll get your charge bonus the second time because they can only call the order once and then of course winter is coming is another great way to deal with that because they can't call that order so if you've got a winner's coming in your hand and you've got a flank charge you should definitely 
play winner is coming, block the order, and then do the damage that you can. So very excited to try them out because I mean uh, everything I've read about them and seen, you know, they just they look awesome. They the units seem really cool. It's kind of a different style from what I've been playing so far. So pretty uh, the, it's it is um it's like a brawl. And uh I the very first game I played them after Gen Con, I brought Starks and I had Berserkers with uh Sworn Sword Captains. I had two units of them. And then I had Rob Stark as my commander. And even with the vulnerable tokens and even with hit and run and, and everything considered, it was still so hard to get through those <laughs> units. So, so it's scary because Starks are supposed to be like this super punchy army and I'm just bouncing off of, off of them. So, And that's the thing. Berserkers are one of those units where it's like if you're not spiking through enough damage to really cripple a union and you end up just kind of like engaged, they start to fall apart pretty fast because they, they, they do, do drop off. Yep. And even even the uh, wardens were, were putting in some work because uh, they've got the they've got a card for hold the line. I think it's a oh, card. Right. Yeah. And so that that turns. I mean, it gives the wardens teeth. I mean, they're right. they're. On paper, they're not so fantastic. Uh, they hit on fours, but when they play hold the line, which um, so far what I've seen is uh, a lot of Peter Baelish being ran with the Baratheon. So the the opponents that I've played against and seen playing them are trying to double tap the uh, the tactics zone by putting Peter Baelish on a zone that they want to control anyway, or zone blocking a zone that you need. So my opponent was zone blocking the uh, maneuver from the Starks and then drawing cards. And then if you don't then claim the tactic zone, they'll just set their next NCU on the tactic zone and then they pulled four cards. And <laughs> as, as I've said, their tactics deck is amazing. Just their basic deck is amazing. You don't want them to have a handful of cards. It's yeah, kind of like yeah. Night's Watch. It just gets really bad when they have a handful of cards and they've got ways of doing it. And then... I think her name's Shira. When she claims oh, yeah, the wealth Arrow. zone, she hands out a token. When she claims the um, tactic zone, she can heal a token. So it's tokens come in big, and then your tokens don't matter as much as they should, and it gets it gets really ugly from what oh. I've seen. So <laughs> super pumped to play. I, I think a lot of people overlook that tactic zone as like a you know like a good like early game play or just kind of like. Getting a bunch of cards in your hand to start the game is like a pretty gigantic advantage, I, I, I find. I think the tactic zone is the best, most important, key, 100%, without a doubt, the best zone. Uh, just like you've said, the, uh, the difference maker in this game, more so than your troops, is uh, your tactics deck, and then uh, I think condition tokens. And mm -hmm. that zone gives you both. So I think that I think that car can, in the background was a was a green. <laughs> yeah, that's so a challenger. It's, it's a challenger. They're like, we want to play this guy. I want the title. <laughs> <laughs> Champ. Yeah, I uh, I am known to abuse the uh, the tactic zone, even to the point where I would seemingly put myself at a disadvantage because mm. once the melee starts, you know you're not immediately thinking to take the tactic zone you want to take the combat zone right because you're already right. engaged you want the free attack i sell out to the tactic zone even if it means i'm going to get punched in the face but my defense mechanism for that is uh lord Varys. so 
he's my favorite NCU. He's maybe, he's obviously, he's not 100%. You're not always going to block the zones, and sometimes you're just going to get punched in the face. And then you have games where you fail his order three-fourths of the time. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) I would have done (laughs) so much better with Peter Baelish, but you got to stick to it, and it's it's almost a calculated risk. And it's like, you're going to claim the the tactic zone, and you're going to dish out a weakened token just in case just in case Lord Varus fails, because surely they're going to grab the combat zone. So you, you put a weakened token on what you don't want to get hit by, and you hope for the best. So, do it. But on the flip side of that, in, in my mind, um, I've only got four Varus tokens, but absolutely, if I don't get first activation on first turn, and if my opponent goes for the tactic zone, I will always Varus order that. And then sometimes, even afterwards, I will Varus order the tactic zone as much as I can. Now, playing with a Tyrion list, the reason for that is you've got Tyrion's order. So that's once around. You've got a, it's not the best shot, but you can pitch cards to try again. So you've got one free shot to stop a card. If your opponent only has three cards in his hand because you've blocked the tactic zone, you're, you've got a very good chance of neutering their tactics deck. And that's basically how I play Starks. I completely, as much as I can, refuse to let them take that zone and draw up their deck. If they've Mm -hmm. got three cards in their hand with some of those nasty, nasty cards, uh, Sudden Charge, the North Remembers, some of the Commander cards, and then Swift Advance are some really game-changing cards. I absolutely don't want them to have three or four good cards in their hand because I can only stop so many. I've only got two counterplots. Then I've got the adaptive tactics, which can pull counterplots if I need to. And then I've got Tyrion's order. So other than that, you can get a a game against Starks or Night's Watch can get really ugly really quickly with some of those cards. Um, Watcher on the Wall, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. It can literally flip the game 180. You can be winning and in a great position, and then all of a sudden, Sworn Brothers have marched behind you, and they're now going to flank charge you. And for those of you that are listening at home, if you don't remember the Watcher on the wall, it's after a friendly unit is attacked. One other friendly unit may make a free maneuver or march action, and then it's a vow. You can attach this card, and while you control the maneuver zone, this unit gains plus one movement, uh, plus one speed, and may perform a free retreat action if it begins its activation engaged. So it's just catapulting guys down the field. Yeah, it's a yeah. very nasty card. It's, <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, getting guys so in the right generally, position is much of the game. What's that? I was saying getting guys in the right position is like a huge part of the game. Oh, I mean, that's absolutely. And it's critical. it's a free it's a free march, which is it's crazy good. So no matter what they have, um, generally what I see done is uh, either the already mentioned sworn brothers in your flank is going to be disgusting uh sundering and then minus one for being in your flank is going to punch through a lot of armor but they'll also do it with those ranger trackers because they hand out a vulnerable token to an enemy within long range and then they've got the seven shots that hit on threes and you just don't want them behind you shooting you it's bad because the follow-up morale is almost as bad as the initial shots because the morale would be at a minus two as well and that can start to that can start to add up on even units with decent morale. Um, and it's bad. Now question, 
question for you as far as like the tournament yeah. goes. So like when, when you got into the, uh, you know, when you're preparing for the tournament, I know you made a change. So you ended up running Lannisters? Yes, I was, I was running Lannisters the whole time. So I had sold out with, uh, I've sold out to Tyrion as a commander for probably the last seven months. And I took a lot of beatings, uh, kind of learning him and, and learning how to use him. He's not, he's not a commander that a new player is going to look through and say, this is an awesome commander because he doesn't look like much on paper. But as you get to play him and you realize the element of control that he brings, then you can kind of layer your strategy around being able to control. And then that's, that's where you can turn it into something great. So oh. I, I had always run Tyrion, but I felt like I wanted to have three NCUs. And I would run Lord Varys. And up until they updated Tywin to shut off units' abilities as well as the attachment, I would run Lord Varys, Cersei, and Pycelle. And so that's 11 points of my army in NCUs. So <laughs> I had to make ends meet with 29 points in combat units, which is tough. But you can make that happen with Tyrion. So. My general staple list was uh, Lannister Guardsmen with Tyrion, just as a general kind of tanky bunker. I was after the three-plus armor save, mm-hmm. and generally that's enough to deter people from coming and killing him, because if you <laughs> kill him, you kill the Order. So more often than not, they kind of just avoid that Guardsman unit. Um, you don't auto-get the Lannister Supremacy like you do with the Guard Captain, but I think there's still... It's, it's still a little bit scary to get hit with Lannister Supremacy for attacking him. So that's generally my bunker, is Tyrion in Guardsmen, and then one unit of Knights of the Catholic Rock, because it's a great unit. I think running more than one is kind of a mistake. Um, they, they need either the free retreat to, to make sure that they're getting the most out of their charge ability, or they need you to kind of play tactics cards on them to get the most out of them if you've got two units probably one unit is getting thrown to the wolves and they're just not a static combat unit so i run one unit of knights the guardsmen and i was running pyromancers with an assault veteran and then i was running um mountainsmen so mountainsmen really yes yeah that's one Um, unit i've never really been impressed by but i'm interested to hear like what how that worked out for you Obviously, so the well, but... <laughs> men, they're not great on their own, but when you run, and I need to back myself up, I made a mistake. The Pyromancers did not have the Assault Veteran because I didn't have the points for it. So that attachment I dropped, I just ran the Pyromancers on their own. They're really good even without the Assault Veteran, but I took, so the Knights are eight, the Guard is five, that's 13. Uh, 11 points in NCUs is 24. The Pyromancers put me up to 31. So with those nine points, you can put Tywin's Mad Dog in the Mountainsmen. And now you've got a unit that has a seven morale. If you fail that morale check, you have to charge, which if you position them right, that's a good thing because you count as rolling a six. So it's like an 11-inch charge that won't be disordered is how I looked at it. And then if they're at full ranks, they're coming in with 10 attacks. They have Critical Blow, Sundering, Vicious. And that's a lot of offense. And then I chose them because they've got that for the second round of combat as well. They don't have to charge to get those bonuses. So 
they just hit it. They hit like a ton of bricks. Um, I mean, yeah, with, with that, I mean, that's an expensive unit, but definitely, I mean, with, with Gregor in there, I mean, that's a, that's definitely could put out a lot of damage at Gen Con. That was my, that was my unit that did all of the heavy lifting. They killed no less than two units per game. And that's because of Tyrion's cards. So, um, you can do your charge action. If you don't wipe out the unit that you're engaged with, you can then, if you've played the tactic zone right and discarded your deck as you need to to get Tyrion's cards in your hand, then you've probably got a cunning ploy. And at that point, you can take that guardsman unit that's bunkering Tyrion and really doing nothing else because you don't need guardsmen to attack anything. What are they really going to kill? So you give up their action, and then you let Gregor swing again. And that's nasty. So whatever unit you just punched in the face, they're getting punched in the face again with 10 attacks, critical blow, sunder, and then you can maneuver them either out of danger or in position to do a charge the next round. And it's, it's gross. <laughs> it really is. If that unit goes off, it's just gross. When you were, and, when you were running this list, was there any like particular game modes or opponents, like, you know, any like other factions that you were either, you know, felt like favored your list or maybe would be a problem for your list? So I generally struggle with Game of Thrones. So, and particularly with this old list, the one that I just read off to you was the list prior to Gen Con. The actual Gen Con list was Flaidmen, Knights of the Rock, Mountains Men with Tywin's Mad Dog, Guardsmen with Tyrion, Lord Varys, and Tywin. So that's six total activations <laughs> and only four combat units. So, so six activations. Whew. Six oh. activations. And I, I caught a lot of crap for that. And, uh, some people were like, that list is not going to work. I was like, I, I, so I think this, <laughs> let I think me show you. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I think it's going to work. I think it will because um, I've got this tank and, and I use Flaidman as a tank. Um, they, they're decent on offense, but more than their offensive potential, I want them to be a tank. I want them absorbing charges from Berserkers, I want them absorbing charges from Sworn Brothers. The only thing I don't really want them fighting is pyromancers and great axes. Other than that, I'll, I'll let it come get my flagemen, and that's fine. And they'll just sit there and they'll hold the line, and that's all I need them to do. Are you saying flagemen? Are you you have flagemen, or what, did you mean knights of Castle Rock? Flagemen only. So the knights of Castle Rock they can tank, but I would only do that in an emergency situation. I would do that gotcha. if if I saw something on the battlefield. And, and I decided that the flayed men would be better served as hammers. And then I would try to use the knights as the, as the anvil. But generally, okay, sorry, I, I, I think, I, I think I missed, I, I didn't, I missed that you had those in your list as well. I didn't. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's I, okay. Start over yep. again. <laughs> flayed men for 10 points. Knights of Castle Rock for eight points. Uh, Mountains men with uh, Tywin's Mad Dog for nine points. Lannister guard with Tyrion for five points. Lord Varys, Tywin, NCU. Okay, so you didn't have so pyromancers in the list. That was did was not that have pyromancers. That was the old list that I was alluding I gotcha. to. That I gotcha. I changed it at the last, okay. the very last minute. I changed. Now it. this was a two list format, and I read online you were saying how you only ended up running one list the whole day. That's yep. the list you just said. Yep. You know the, the what what was the sudden the gut check to be like? All right, this is the right thing to do. It's six activations. You know it, it was. It was working, and yeah. um, my backup list that I had, I specifically designed it 
for um, Dance with Dragons uh, and okay. Clash of Kings. And the reason I say I designed it for those scenarios is because that list did have Pyromancers. Okay. And what I found is um, the Pyromancers, starting round two, you can advance a unit up on the right flank and take that objective and hold down a flank. And then when you can bring Pyromancers in on the flank in the round attack. two, oh. <laughs> they can benefit from the swords because they oh. have a shooting attack. Oh. And their shooting attack is just as nasty. But yeah. more importantly than that, cunning ploy. And they, they mm. never see it coming. You position them into the flank of a unit, and they, they come on as activated. So your opponent is like, cool, I'll deal with these Pyromancers later. If they don't turn around and deal with the Pyromancers right now, and I have a cunning ploy in my hand, they're charging yep. you in the flank. Oof. They're charging you in the flank. So <laughs> vicious, no armor saves, in the flank, so minus three to your morale, and then you're stuck engaged with them, and it's, it's bad. <laughs> that that does so, sound pretty gross. It's gross. And actually, the, the gut check that I, that I ended up coming to the conclusion of, I was like, if Pyromancers can do that, and I've done it so many times with Pyromancers, I was like, Gregor's mountainsmen can do it. Right. I think just as well. Ten attacks mm. in the flank with critical blows. And they might even and situationally, too. it's better. On anything with a four plus or worse, they're probably better than the pyromancers. Because I think on the charge, even if you do math, I think you're averaging ten hits, but realistically it's normally like eleven, maybe twelve. With with the critical blows and the rerolls yeah. and all that, and that's at a minus two, and then they're sure to fail some saves and lose some guys. But then the panic check is at a minus three, and it's generally all bad. And that's yeah. that's that's they're what definitely ended more up survivable too, right? Oof, yeah, they are more survivable. They have a four plus. It's not it's not flashy. It's not spectacular. They can take a punch. Definitely better than the pyromancers can take a punch. And I feel like for them. Wealth of the Rock is actually a meaningful card. So Wealth of the Rock is plus one to defensive saves, block D3 hits if you control the Wealth Zone. So Pyromancers that have a six-plus save, it's probably a wasted card. Maybe you do it to block D3 hits, um, but it's generally not a good card for them. It's meaningful for Mountains. So the four-plus becomes a three-plus effectively, and then blocking hits, they, they can take a punch at that point. So, so and going over like your your sort of your games for the, the the last day there. I mean, I know you had so you had. Uh, can, we, can you kind of talk us through like sort of how those games went? If we start with the, you know, I guess we have whatever the four rounds. Yeah. So, so the I remember round was Game one, of Thrones, Starks, right? Yep, it was Game of Thrones, and I played Starks. I had remembered his basic list. I think I actually tagged him into it to give his list. I'm pretty sure it was at least two dire wolves. And he definitely had me out-activated by a lot. I think he had nine activations. But it was just uh, by pure luck, the way the deployment ended up and which side we were on, I had the side of the table that had the um, objective token that gives you plus one to your tactics card hand, and you draw a card every time you claim it. And... I guess this is kind of cheesy. I, I told him that it was cheesy, but I was going to go ahead and do it. If you've got a cavalry unit, you can use your free maneuver, go off of that spot, and then when you maneuver back onto it, you immediately draw a card. 
And so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I actually ran out of my deck of cards uh, in round three. I was Holy completely crap. through my deck. And when you do that with Tyrion, so that's considering a four card hand, the cards that I drew from the objective and abusing the uh, tactic zone, I completely ran out of cards. And then when you, when you have that happen with Tyrion, it's particularly bad because of the two adaptive tactics cards. Right. So those two cards go to the bottom of your deck. They don't go into your discard pile. If you draw all out of your deck, you end up with two adaptive tactics. Adaptive tactics, when you draw those cards at the start of any turn, your turn or your opponent's, you put it back to the bottom of the deck to be drawn again, and you pick any card that you want out of your discard pile and put it in your hand. So essentially, you are tailor-building your hand with whatever cards you want, whatever cards you need in that situation, in that moment. So you can handpick counterplot if you feel like you need counterplot. You can handpick cunning ploy if you're feeling offensive. You can handpick delay orders. You can handpick wealth of the rock if you think that you're going to need to survive. Man, literally, this is this is that's hilarious. Shelky shuffle, right? That, yeah, is yeah that the, no, not the Shelky shuffle. But this is Don Shelky last. Uh, he was the last year's Gen Con winner, and he was like at a at a. It was Pax Unplugged. He was saying, "Listen, man, there's a strategy," and he was trying to figure out ways that he could cycle through his deck faster so he could yep. do what you're talking about. And yep. so you found like the perfect way to do that. It sounds like. Yeah. So there's two two ways of doing it. Um. Obviously, now we have Preston Greenfield. Right. If you choose to go that route and either bring Joffrey the King, which I don't love Joffrey. And just as a heads up, Preston Greenfield is a Kingsguard attachment. One point, while you control the, uh, the crown tactic zone, each time this unit performs an action, you may draw one tactics card. So it becomes really cheesy in a unit like Bastard Girls, where they shoot, which is an action. And then they charge, which is an action. And then if you end up wiping the unit, you get a free maneuver, which is an action. So in that little deal right there, you've just drawn three cards. And it gets pretty gross. I've never done that. Um, but I used to run Preston in Pyromancers because they were the unit that I wanted doing my, my killing. So if I was going to use Cunning Ploy to give a unit extra actions, it was going to be the Pyromancers, and I would draw through my cards that way. Man. It works. It was a decent strategy. I didn't risk it at Gen Con, but it is a decent strategy. Jeez, that's so funny, though. So I'm <laughs> noticing there's a trend with these with the Gen Con winners. Really, they're really on top of their games here. They, man. It's, it's tricky. The, the other element to playing Tyrion, I think, is you can't be afraid to discard cards. So if your goal, it's not just that your goal is to run out of cards. That's epic, and it's amazing when that happens. If your army is alive, I would almost say you're just going to win the game at that point, being able to handpick counterplots or, or any cards that you need. It's very hard to overcome that. But um, you want his commander cards in your hand. He's got some of the best commander cards in the game. So I'm not afraid to discard cards. I, if I have a paid mutiny in my hand, which is the one where the unit activates, they take a morale check. If they fail, they take D3 wounds and lose the attachment. Now, not every unit has an attachment, but you can still do those D3 wounds. And then if you claim the wealth zone, their morale check is at a minus two. And I'm going to say something really crazy, and I know that Michael Chennault does not agree with this, 
that I'm going to tell you. <laughs> in round one, I had a paid mutiny in my hand. I didn't really want to hang on to it. I was going to discard it or play it. And my opponent had a dog next to a dead body pile. And I had the wealth zone. So that's a minus three. I was like, you know what? There's no reason not to try. And he rolled a four. <laughs> he rolled a four oh, and his dog no. died. Oh, so the dog so, takes three wounds automatically. The dog dies. So that's how I dealt with his dog. And then you're not going to believe this, but I swear he had a unit of great axes later in the game. They had three wounds left. I had a paid mutiny in my hand. Same, same situation. I have no reason to keep this card. I'm going to discard it. I might as well try when these great axes activate. He rolled a five, so he failed. And then I rolled my D3 and I rolled a three and I killed that unit of great axes. Jeez. A lot of mutinies so, going on here. You're making your money work for you. <laughs> yeah. So I view that card. Uh, shutting off an attachment is nice. Um, if I was playing another Lannister with guardsmen where they heavily rely on that uh, guard captain, mm -hmm. I would definitely sell out to putting a paid mutiny on that unit because they can't use that guard captain's order to pass that test, and then they're going to lose their guard captain. Yeah. So then when you charge on them, they're vulnerable because of their seven morale. So really outside of that, I view it as a damage card. And I've killed giants doing what I did to the dire wolf. And it's been numerous times I finished off a unit that had one or two wounds that I couldn't get to. And I finished them with paid mutiny and got that victory point. It's interesting when you look at like certain units like the giant in like that lens of like a lot of those D3 wounds cards, which are, you know, not always super awesome against like an infantry unit, but against something like a giant, like D3 wounds is actually really bad. It's amazing. That's and if six, you can, you know, like six hits basically, you know, or six. Yeah. Yep. Six failed armor saves. Yeah. Basically. And it happens all at once. And if you control the wealth zone, you automatically count as rolling a three. So that's three wounds on that giant. Yeah, it's a bad and, from a card. One card play. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And he just, and they look at you like with, with this shock. It's like, I cannot believe <laughs> you, this just happened. You killed their puppers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with Circe and Paid Mutiny, it, it actually becomes a really nice combo. So you can make them minus four just with her influence and claiming the wealth zone. And I know the guys in my club when I was running Searcy, they, it's almost telegraphed because I would claim the tactic zone and put a panic token on something that right. had really <laughs> high morale. And then like, you can just see it in their eyes and they go grab the wealth zone and remove that panic token. And, and, and it's like, yeah, you're not going to nuke right. my <laughs> dog or my giant, Brett. You've done this to me three or four times now. So That's the so, best, though, isn't it? When you play it against one up and they're like, wait a second. I yep, know. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, you you kind of telegraph it. But it, it lends to your favor because if they claim the wealth zone to save their dog, they've probably left the maneuver open right. that they might have taken. Or they've left the crown open that maybe they were going to take from you. And then you can still crown zap whatever unit you influenced, and it'll still be influenced by CRC. So then it'll still be the minus three. So it's an interesting side to it, but uh, I think it's a great card. And uh, I don't see enough people use it as a damage card, but I view it as more a damage card than I view it as a damage card, and shutting off the attachment is like a bonus instead of the other way around. That's the so way I view it. 
So it's really interesting to see your way of like approaching this game. And so for for players that are maybe new or they play much more casually, but they want to get better, are there any like is there any general advice you might give to people besides like get good? Like yeah. how, any tips or suggestions you would give people to try and improve their gameplay? Two things. One one thing that's really truly seriously draws me to this game is the wealth of information that's available for free. Um, in some other games, you have to buy $50 codex to learn <laughs> your other, the, the, your, uh, your enemy, you know, some game, and yes. there's merit, <laughs> there's, there's merit. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to name drop. It, but we, we all know who I'm talking <laughs> about. Sure. There is so much merit to that old saying about knowing your enemy. That's mm-hmm. literally, I, I would say half of this game is knowing what your opponent can do to you. And that information is free. So, so you're saying you got, essentially that knowing is half the battle? Yes. Hey. So, <laughs> yep. so if you've got the downtime, instead of uh, instead of scrolling through Facebook, scroll through um, the War Council app and just read through those cards. And as you've played the game, and now everybody's going to start slow. I got my face kicked in so many times just starting out. And uh, that's fine. That's part of it. Uh, you've got to have thick skin. Because you're going to get beat uh, simply because you're playing people that know the game better than you. But as you play the game, you really develop your own kind of style. Like you say, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is how I want to play. I like this unit. And then eventually you're going to cherry pick and build your own list in your own style. And as, as you get better at creating your style, when you're reading through those tactics cards from other factions, you're going to put in your head like, well, this is what I would do if I played them. And then when you see that situation at a big event where you're obviously playing good players, you might, you might have an idea of what they're going to do. So if, um, if they've allowed, like we'll, we'll take Starks, for example, it's an, another army that I know. If a Stark player has allowed you to move your cavalry or something else into their flank and they don't seem bothered by that at all, probably a good chance that they have a swift advance in their hands and they know that they can turn around and charge you. So <laughs> yeah. 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 So you can, you can kind of gauge sometimes now some people have better poker faces than others, but there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of a poker face to it. If you see their face and you see some surprise, you've probably got something. If they're stone cold and they don't seem to care about what you're doing, they've probably got a counter to that. So, mm. so, so, uh, make sure you know your opponent's tactics cards, make sure you know your own as well. And then work on your poker face. I think I'm working as well. I, right. There is a poker face element to this game. I promise <laughs> there is. Usually when Chase starts like stroking his beard maniacally, mm. that's, that's I know. Yep. Got or, uh, Greg Young I, was talking about, he just reaches over and touches the tokens on his Varus card. Yep. People are like, Oh God. <laughs> like, yep. I'm just touching. I'm just, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> there, there are some tells. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And uh, it's like it's, false tells you're pretending you have something like, you're right. Like, mm, I'll save this for later. You like have nothing in your hand. And it's, I do. <laughs> That's the same literally thing. all my free folk games. Like what do I have in my hand? <laughs> uh, nothing. <laughs> I, I, I played guys that uh, at Gen Con that telegraphed what I was doing, but sometimes there's nothing they can do about it. So right. when their unit is in a position to charge me and I'm sitting on various tokens, so I'm not afraid of like a sudden charge card because interestingly enough Varys can stop sudden charge with his order which is awesome uh it kind of 
it kind of holds that card in check. I don't hate it. It's it's an amazing card. A free charge is probably the best thing in this game. And if you've only got Lannisters that can really stop that card, I don't think it's really super in check, but Lord Varys puts that card in check. So anyways, um, if I've got, for example, the Stark gentleman that I played in Clash of Kings, he had great axes in the flank of Gregor Clegane's unit. That's probably a very hurt unit. Yeah. And I had, I had first activation. So instead of turning that unit to face him, I didn't mind because I had to delay orders in my hand. Mm. And delay orders, what happens is when they want to activate a unit, you play that card, and then they have to activate a different unit. If I control the tactic zone, right. I pick the unit that activates. It's one of my favorite cards. So yeah. immediately, I just go grab the tactic zone for two reasons. Number one, when he tries to do an activation, I'm choosing which of his units he's going to play. And that can be bad for them because they might have a plan for this unit way over here that hasn't developed yet. And if I make him activate that unit over there, it might foil his plans for the round. And then number two, he doesn't get to charge me like he wants to. So in that case, that's exactly what happened. I had a delay order in my hand. And as soon as I grabbed the tactic zone and he went to activate the axis, he paused and he was like, I know you have the card. So I was like, yeah, I have a delay, <laughs> I have a delay order. So uh. instead, I'm going to make you activate this unit of Outriders that's completely out of position and isn't really going to do anything. So, but I, yeah, I, I telegraphed my moments. own moves. It is. It was, it, was, uh, it was a great game. Every game that I played was really, really good. It was really intense. And uh, we had a lot of people, um, some folks that played the game and weren't able to participate were watching. And then some newer people that were just kind of looking to get into the game were watching. Now, cool. I get in my game zone and I don't notice when people are watching me. <laughs> but after the game, I look around. And just not just around my table, but around all of these tables, we ended up having spectators. And it's it's kind of cool, you know, to see people getting hyped and getting interested about the game. And then afterwards, I sat down with some of the guys that were looking to get into it. And we talked about some of the factions and some of the strengths and maybe what faction they should pick up as a beginner or what I saw as, you know, the good commanders and things of this nature. And I think that there's a, a curve to the game. And I think that some of the best commanders are also some of the harder commanders to play. There are some safe commanders that, that newer players can just kind of lean on for a little while. Uh, the High Sparrow with Lannisters is a very good, in, he's a very good commander. He's got good cards. He's also a free NCU. Uh, his influence is spectacular, plus two to morale. And an army that struggles with morale is nice. It's a very safe commander. And you can kind of play with the High Sparrow and generally do pretty well just to get started. But then if, if that's a little bit too vanilla for you, then, then you can start to work into some of the ground commanders who I think Michael has done a spectacular job of designing the ground commanders with innate advantages over the NCU commanders. Mm -hmm. So you can bring the NCU commander. It's a free activation. It's a free NCU, which you need them but you're sacrificing a really good ability generally from the ground commander and generally better tactics cards. So, but it's, it's a safe play for a newer player to take an army like that. So what you're saying is 
Chase's Lannister commander of choice is a noob commander. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I know I've renounced my Lannister ways. Now I get my face kicked in as free folk. I will I won't say that he doesn't have merit because uh my friend from Indy Cameron actually won the Seamon Expo with the High Sparrow. The High so, Sparrow is the most fun. Like that's the first commander I feel like you get and you're like, "Oh wait, it can do what?" Like you know when you're starting out and like you've got all different commanders, you're trying to pick it and you're probably picking them based, based on the flavor. But that's like yeah. the first one that you like it's like that's it's very obvious like what to do when. Yep. And so it's that first one you're like, oh my gosh, like I can, I can set up these combos or, you know, uh, he's also, yeah, he's also just a great commander. He's yeah. got, and it's, he's got a card that gives a unit teeth plus one to hit and sundering. It, I mean, it's welcome to anybody, uh, but even the vanilla mountains men without an attachment, suddenly they're hitting on twos and they have sundering to go with their critical blows and vicious. And as we've mentioned with Gregor, that Sparrow card gives them everything but the potential free charge and the plus two attack. So well, you, it's not a joke. It's right. a very, Do you think it would be fair commander. to say, though, that uh, Tyrion might be one of the commanders whose tactics car, cards, like if you know what you're doing and you can seize the opportunities for, things like delay orders or cunning ploy or adaptive tactics either when mixed with the rest of the deck, like... You can you can get a lot of mileage out of him if you know the situations you're going to be facing. Like you can predict these things are going to come in the battlefield. Like I know when to make these smart plays. Yes, um, he's got a really high ceiling, and man, it, you know, played right. So I think I, he's, I think he's the best, and I'm not biased in that sense. I just I really do think he's the best because if you if you build your army around him. And you go into it knowing that things are not always going to go as planned. His order's only a five plus. Don't go into the game thinking, well, I'm going to stop yeah. one <laughs> card around with his order. And then I'm going to have a counterplot in my hand and they're just never going to play a card. That kind of mentality is not going to work. His cards and the Lannister deck add layers to an army that already denies. So I want to talk about some of the other tactics cards as well because there's a. They, they kind of come into play with that uh, strategy where I mentioned limiting your opponent's deck. Mm -hmm. So in the basic deck, you have Intrigue and Subterfuge, which is a very nice card. That card, when an, NCU activate, when an enemy NCU activates, you can play that card and they lose all abilities. So in the case of an Amon from the Night's Watch, who is adding healing whenever he claims a zone, up to three wounds, so it's one wound automatically, plus one additional wound for each rank they've lost. So you can heal up to three. So if you've got a unit down to four guys, he can claim the attack zone and heal them a rank, right? And then in addition to that, if you claim the wealth zone, yeah, say, that's you, a... say you knock a unit of uh, veterans down to four guys, all of a sudden they're back up to 10. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that's I've been there <laughs> as a so free folk player. I'm like, uh, you know how many raiders died to kill those six dudes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so intrigue has merit in that in that respect. But the bonus effect, which the bonus effect on cards is amazing. And everybody new and veteran should really tailor to those bonus effects when it's applicable. Sometimes it's worth claiming a zone you don't always want just to get the bonus effect. And in the case of an Intrigue and Subterfuge, if I have one in my hand, particularly in round one, 
after I claim the, well, uh, the tactic zone, if possible, the next zone I want to claim, even without Circe, is the crown. Because if you control the crown and you play Intrigue and Subterfuge, they have to discard a random tactics card. And there's a very good chance that they're going to pitch a really good card. And then you don't even have to stop it. They just threw it out of their hand. And there's been a number of times that I've made, um, I'll pick on Starks again. I have made Starks throw out the North Remembers. I've made yeah. them throw out Sudden Charge. I've made them throw out Swift Advance. And it's just like, you're excited as, as the, the player <laughs> to draw this really good card. And then you had to throw it away over, yeah. over a card that a lot of people are going to look at Intrigue. And it's like, that's not really that great of a card compared to some of the other cards in the deck. But with that bonus, it becomes amazing. And then back to Adaptive Tactics, not only do you shuffle through your discard pile and pull one of your cards out, if you control the um, tactic Tactics zone, yeah. they have to pitch a random card. Ugh. And that, it's like they're getting... So that, and like a random card, is that's extra obnoxious because then it's, it's just... It <laughs> yeah. Please don't yeah. get the best thing in my hand, that's three the, cards. That's yep. Atlantis' supremacy in action on the player. They're just like, oh. God. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so bad. And then <laughs> if you've got a couple of them in your hand, or, or as we've mentioned, the loop, if you're in that Tyrion loop and you control the uh, tactic zone, they're probably pitching two cards at a minimum. And then you're able to pull counterplot. So even if they've got four or five cards in their hand and they think they have something, all of a sudden they probably don't. And... Yeah it's just like one of those elements and it, it comes up later in the game like when it's really clutch like i really needed that card to turn this game around and Tyrion made me discard it and that sucks and sometimes I mean, that's, that's the difference in the game on, yeah i mean you count on those cards so much like you're looking at your hand you're looking at the, the board state and you're like okay i can play this card and do this thing and yep. and you're you're counting on that and so the that informs so many decisions, and then all of a sudden, that card's just gone. <laughs> you gone. know, it could screw up your whole turn, the whole game, and it really—I mean, like, it's a big. It's deal. gone, and they didn't even—they didn't even burn a counterplot. They still have two counterplots in their hand and a Tyrion order. Like, what am yeah. I going to do? <laughs> and he's yeah, got I mean, two of those cards. So now, when when a turn starts, I know I'm pitching another one of these cards that I need. It's like very frustrating. So, and sometimes when players get frustrated, they get out of their element and they make kind of desperate decisions that they wouldn't have made before like maybe if they had a swift advance they were going to get a charge that couldn't fail maybe it was going to be disordered but they couldn't fail and now maybe they have to roll a five and they don't want to have to roll a five because they don't want to be stuck in front of your <laughs> unit but maybe they try to roll that five out of desperation and then they are stuck in front of your unit and then you just countercharge them and thrash them and instead of them being on the on the up and up now they're all of a sudden in a worse spot than they were before. And it's because that little dwarf made them throw their card. Out. <laughs> yeah. So. I feel like people are going to listen to this episode and there's just going to suddenly be like a huge bump in like Lannister Tyrion skill level players. <laughs> and we're just going to be like, everywhere it goes, going to be like, great. Yeah, I get it. I got no tactics cards now. And you're going to double activate. Like, all right. Yep. Good I time. encourage it. <laughs> I encourage it. You've got to build around him. And it, I, I think it takes some practice, but I think he's very rewarding. Once you figure out, I think he requires a dummy activation like the Lannister Guard. Because if you try to build this super elite army, like, well, I'm going to bring two knights and I'm going to bring pyromancers 
and then I'm going to bring, um, I don't know, maybe uh, some Flademan. That's 33 points. You could reasonably fit that in. But you've got four powerhouse units. Which one's giving up their yeah. action? I've had the opposite actually happen a few times uh, running turn where I like I make like my one super unit and I had like two units of Lannister Guardsmen or something. And it got down to a point where it's like if they're able to target that one unit that I expected to do all my work, though. Yeah, and it's like, oh, they just, you know, like they, uh, you know, crowned or they they you know, long bowed men, my pyromancers. And I'm like, well, now what? <laughs> yeah, and that's bad. And that's bad. So. But it seemed like you kind of, you know, I think, yeah, man, that mountains men with Tywin, that's really Tywin's got me dog. thinking because it oh, Tywin's mad dog. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the mad dog. Um, that's that's a pretty. That's it's more resilient and like you know with the vicious. That's that's gonna do a lot of work. Hmm. They did a ton of work. So, well, if I have to, if I have to take a break from playing some free folk next time we play Josh, maybe I'll I'll go back and try and bust this out. Is that bad if I net list a Gen no, Con? No, it's not. Like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, just, let me tell you why I do this. It's because I'll just play the podcast episode. It is a tactic that a lot of people still don't see coming because he was never, ever used before. And then when I saw the chain, I was tempted to bring him anyway. Period. Yeah. And then when they had the change, I, I was like, I'm bringing this guy. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see how it goes. And it's just phenomenal. And I'm sure that um, if you can protect them and if you play them right, and one thing that I did with them, so I would move them. I'm very like calculated and I don't like to take super big risks. And I don't want my mountains men unit 11 inches away from my line, even though they're in there wrecking stuff, they're out there by themselves. So one thing that I did do at Gen Con was I would put that unit up and I would take my stick and I would measure 11 inches. So my opponent would think, okay, he's going to hope that he fails this morale check. And then he's going to charge me. Well, we're going to set up this counter charge in case that happens. And then I would go grab the maneuver spot and pull them back five because they reacted to me moving him up. And then they kind of held their line and didn't come after me. So then I just pulled him back so that when I activated him, I didn't even have to take the morale check because I wasn't ready to send him in yet. Hmm. And I think that caught a couple of people off guard. When, yeah. I grabbed the, when I grabbed the maneuver and went to Gregor's unit, they were like, oh, you... <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I just, I just did that because uh, they would bring up like berserkers and like great axes, oh, ready yeah, to, yeah. ready to ready counter to. charge me. And it's like, okay, and now we're just gonna pull him back, so I don't even have to take that morale check because there's a good chance that you bomb it, and then there goes Gregor. It's like, cool, you're probably gonna kill one unit, but then they're just gonna surround you and destroy you. Man, so that, I mean, that's just that's brutal. I'm gonna have to definitely get Tywin's Mad Dog on the table some more. Yeah, because he's one of those guys that with the update, I think I haven't really gone back to um but it got me thinking you know so we're gonna have to wrap up due to time but uh, you know what we'll hook you up with after this i'll talk to you and i'll, I'll hook you up we have an alt art updated uh set of cards for you with all the 1.4 updated characters and so you, you got to be representing with your your cool tywin's mad dog that so we'll amazing. hook you up with that after the show awesome and uh you know maybe if down the line if you're interested we'd love to have you maybe if you if you're interested in writing some articles for uh, around your list to maybe share with the community or even come back on in the future to talk more about other tactics or the baratheons and how you're dealing with them um anytime i'd love we're to. we're looking forward to hearing your name a few more times so keep us in the loop with the whatever tournament you're going to absolutely and in the meantime i hope you get your miniatures on the table <laughs>